And welcome everybody to the Down and Away podcast. My name is Fernando Mendez. I am 33.3% of your host for your favorite podcast. I am joined here by my wonderful co-hosts, Ian Rickles and Andrew Ciccarelli. My friends, how are you guys? I'm doing Pretty well. great, yeah. I'll be the 33.34%, so we don't have yeah, to. Yeah, go ahead. You can take the, <laughs> take the plurality. Well, I mean, you know, we're not, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go <laughs> I already claimed it, guys. Sorry. All right, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, in all fairness, your organization's the one that's had the least amount of success. So, you know, yeah. it's funny. Actually, you guys have been to more World Series than the Angels have. You guys didn't win any, nor have you won a single game. But We won one. We won one. <laughs> Next oh, year yes, before. yeah. <laughs> You won one game. Yeah. We were, yeah, we're not quite shut out. <laughs> Close. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe a couple of days ago they were showing uh, that uh, that game uh, from the 98 World Series where uh, Tony Gwynn hit that uh, home run to give the Padres uh, their only lead that year. Yeah, dude. I mean, when that's like one of the highlights of your organization. It's kind of sad, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, for a guy that wasn't a power hitter, that was just an amazing moment. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I mean, I'm sure uh, Tony Gwynn might sneak his way onto this list with just a little bit of juggling. So, uh, <laughs> we're going to get to all that at the very end. Uh, Ian, how are you doing, my friend? Pretty great, man. How about you? Uh, I- I'm doing well. I, I think uh, we're all in the same boat here. and Along with all of our listeners, when I say I am sick and tired of quarantine. Yes, definitely. I am. I want to go outside and watch a baseball game. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's uh, what I what I would do right now to be able to watch a baseball game. And it's funny, I I should probably be complaining less than anybody right now because I'm still fortunate enough to work. I'm still traveling for work. I mean, I'm in Sacramento right now. Uh, I always like to call it God's country, really. But uh, <laughs> longtime listeners of the show will know that I am from Central California, not Sacramento, though. But uh, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of this area. Any of you guys ever been up here? I have once, yeah. Was I was I was actually in the California State Geography in Sacramento when I was in middle school. It's my one experience in the state capital. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, out of all the places that they could have, you know, chose to be the capital of California, Sacramento. Yeah, uh, it's not even <laughs> geographically, you know, like in the center. That would have made some sense. Well, you know, they had to give it something. It's I, always something to do with the gold rush or something. Yeah, I'm not a history guy. I don't know. Uh, well, maybe that, that maybe that's something we'll talk about in our next episode. Yeah, so. <laughs> our podcast All about right, Central California history. Yeah. Right. All <laughs> right, guys. So uh, this is the Down and Away podcast. As I mentioned earlier, we got all we got the whole gang here today. Uh, I'll get to our topic momentarily. Before we get into it, let's talk a little bit about the uh, you know the boring stuff that we always have to bring up. Uh, we are currently looking for sponsors, as always. Uh, Ian's Wingstop addiction has gotten out of hand. I don't even know if you like Wingstop, but I, I, I have not. I'm, there aren't much many Wingstops out here on the East Coast. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. I what's the Wings? What's like? Are Wings? Wings are big on the East Coast, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's Buffalo Wild Wings is the big one. But, uh, okay. Do you like chicken wings? I, I was just kind of throw that out there. Of course. Is there a 
person alive that eats chicken and doesn't like chicken wings? <laughs> There's got to be at least one. You got to get them on the show. Always one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You you're instantly jumping to the front load of or to the front end of our like. We want you on the show guest list if you don't like chicken wings. <laughs> hey guys, I got us an interview with Mike Trout. Hey, I don't know. I want to talk to Brandon, the guy who doesn't like chicken wings. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a more interesting topic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. So yes, we are looking for sponsors. Go ahead and email us. Uh, my personal email is FernandoMedes2295 at gmail.com. If you're interested in sponsoring our still up-and-coming show, uh, go ahead and shoot us an email, and we will go ahead and, you know, hey, talk business. We need to feed our uh, chicken wing addictions. So please help any way you can. Also, <laughs> we are now on uh, most forms of social media. We have a Facebook group called the Down and Away Podcast. Uh, so just look us up on uh, Facebook. I want that to be a, a platform for Dodgers fans, Angels fans, and Padres fans. Tell you know, post memes, coexist, talk about topics, uh, talk about how bad our show is, maybe how good it is, maybe I'm being wishful. And then last but not least, we have an Instagram page, so go ahead and follow us on Instagram at the Down and Away Podcast. All right, all that boring stuff's out of the way, fellas. Uh, let's talk about today's topic. Ian, do you want to go ahead and let the listeners know what we're going to be covering today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, today, we're all going to be pitching our kind of all-time teams for each of our respective teams talk about our picks for the best at each position uh in team history um and then if we have time we'll do a quick little snake draft where we pick each other's players and try to create the best team out of the player pool we've created so uh, we're talking about everybody's teams here for everybody should be fun yeah absolutely um so as uh, of course i'll be uh picking who i believe was the best angel per position andrew will pick uh which padre Ian will pick which dodger etc and at the very end what we're going to try to do is be as unbiased as possible and pick you know who we truly think is going to be um who's going to be the best player at that position so you know one angel one padre one dodger well there's only one first base spot so we're going to have to you know, pick between those three, etc. I'm sure you guys understand what's going on. Um, and then, you know, maybe we can have some more fun with this in the future. Uh, in the future, if you guys would like us to maybe try to run some kind of simulation to see how our ultimate team would do, uh, go ahead and let us know, and maybe we can try to figure out a way to make that work out. Uh, and also, if you guys have any future ideas for shows, go ahead and let us know. Uh, we're always willing to listen to what the listeners want. Uh, anybody have anything to add about what we're uh, doing today? No, but I don't think so. No, no, Andrew. No, no, that, that, that's pretty spot on. Can't think of anything. Cool. <laughs> All right, so um, I figure we can start off with catcher. Anyone have any uh, positions? Nope. Nope. Cool. That's gonna be. Uh, All right, so I mean, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say now that there's probably going to be a couple positions where there is a clear favorite. I mean, we were talking about this before we got on air, that the Padres and Angels are kind of getting dealt a bad hand with catcher. <laughs> that might be the understatement of the year. <laughs> but um, for whatever it's worth, uh, I'll go ahead and start off. We already talked about our order off air. So um, my pick 
for catcher for the Angels all time is uh, going to be Benji Molina. Now, uh, Benji Molina was not the uh, you know not the sexiest name out there. He's you know a, a coach now. Uh, you know he didn't have the worst career. He ended up having a two seventy six batting average for his career uh, through uh, what was it fourteen seasons. 13, 13 seasons. So, you know, not not the best total, not the biggest sample size either. Uh, he was never, well, he had a couple stints as a starter, a couple stints as a backup, especially near the end of his career. But uh, it was pretty slim pickings as far as the Angels for catcher. Uh, but uh, ultimately, I decided to go with Benjamin Molina. Now, his stats overall as an Angel were a career batting average of 273. Uh, he had about 300, he only had 65 career home runs. Uh, so, you know, not, definitely not the sexiest pick. So I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, admit that it's not going to be Benjamin Molina. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see what uh, Andrew's got up his sleeve. So I got uh, Gene Tennis, and he wasn't, he wasn't a, bad, uh, a bad player for the Padres. He played four years for the Padres. He averaged about five wins above replacement for the four seasons. He was an on-base king. So uh, in his four seasons with the Padres, he had a 403 on base. Uh, not much batting average, hit about 237. Averaged about, you know, 17 to 20 home runs a season. Pretty good player. Uh, definitely wouldn't be making most teams all-time top catcher list, but not the worst representation for the Padres, in my opinion. But, uh, I mean, this is definitely going to be going to the Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> so I think... Uh, Let's move on to Ian. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, the Dodgers have kind of always been blessed with some great catchers, you know. Russell Martin, Yasmani Grandal, Mike Socia, Steve Yeager. Uh, the two that stick out, though, are probably pretty obviously Roy Campanella and Mike Piazza. Um, I decided to go with Campanella for my all-time pick, although, I mean, you could either easily go with either of them. It's definitely not a whole lot separating the two. Um, Campanella, at his peak, where he had won five, three MVPs in five years, Pretty ridiculous. Um, his peak year, 1953, uh, he slashed 312, 395, 611, with 41 home runs and 142 RBIs um, for one of, like, in that kind of 50s golden age of Brooklyn baseball. Or, yeah. Um, uh, the only reason I chose him over Piazza, Piazza's probably a better hitter overall, but um, I definitely do kind of value defense from the behind the plate. So uh, Campanella is always... Pretty great reputation as a defender. Um, the numbers mostly back it up. So I decided to go with him over Piazza just for that extra bit of defense behind the plate. In all fairness, maybe Andrew could have picked Mike Piazza. That's true. <laughs> He's in as a Padre. Yeah. He had that second one year as a Padre. That was a great year, too. I'm pretty sure he was uh, second on the team that year at home runs. It hit 19 home runs and went back when Petco Park was even more of a home run stealer than it is now. Yeah, when uh, Petco Park was a mammoth. I mean, it's it's still a pretty large stadium, but nowhere near as big as it used to be. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think Piazza was like 39 or something ridiculous when he was playing for the Padres, and he still had like a 840 OPS. Guy's a ridiculous hitter. Yeah, and he went to like, what, like played two or three more years, and he went to like Oakland afterward? Yeah, I, th I think he played one more season in Oakland and then hung it up. I was pretty I disappointed he played... that, he, that he didn't go in as a Padre, like in my opinion. <laughs> The Hall of Fame? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was either that or athletic, so I, I guess he just kind of settled for or New York. The, he could have picked the Marlins, you know, five games that everyone remembers. 
maybe, but maybe next lifetime. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm just going to go on a limb here. Maybe make the executive decision that I think we're going with uh, with the Dodgers on this one with Roy. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good. Bet. I can definitely go behind that. Yeah. <laughs> are you are are you sure? Because. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Benji Molina was always one of my favorite players. <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, two gold gloves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a good defensive player, but I mean, you know, he's nowhere near as good as his brother. How close, are you, to, how close were you to considering like uh, Bob Boone? You know, Bob Boone was probably second for me. Uh, but I mean, I, I think uh, the thing that really helped Benji Molina here was the fact that uh, he was the. Uh, you know, he was a World Series champion, so. Yeah, it's a good, a good pick. Yeah, so ultimately that's kind of where I went there, and that's why. All right. Um, do we have anything to close out as far as catchers? I mean, Dodgers kind of ran away with that one. Yeah, I already, I already bolted it in the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we moved on mentally. It's over. Yeah. All right. So um, I'll go ahead and start off with first base. So, uh, my guy's a little bit more unknown. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. His name is uh, Rod Carew. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Anybody? No? Okay. Well, Rod Carew's obviously a Hall of Famer. That's obviously sarcasm, folks. Um, Rod Carew was a first baseman and a second baseman. He did play an awful lot of first base for the Angels. So I did go ahead and put him in this category. Uh, also, you know, we have another... When we get to second base, which I believe is next, uh, we'll you know you guys will kind of understand why I decided to list Roy uh, Rod Carew as a first baseman. Now Rod Carew had a great couple seasons uh, near the end of his career with uh, the Angels. He obviously accomplished his three thousandth hit as an Angel. Uh, he had a batting average of uh, three fourteen in seven seasons with the California Angels. Only struck out 312 times in seven years, which is, I mean, pretty low, all things considered. Um, he had a total of 968 hits as an angel. Like I said, one of those was his 3,000th career hit. Had an on-base percentage of 393 over seven years, which is, you know, almost unheard of. So, I mean, I think Rod Crew is going to be uh, a really, really good pick at first base for uh, for my Angels, and let's see how he can compete against you guys' pick. Uh, Andrew? Yeah, he's definitely a really, really solid pick for sure. I mean, being a Hall of Famer, that's really hard to argue against. Yeah. I got. I mean, he wasn't yeah. a Hall of Famer as an Angel, though, so. <laughs> no, no he, he was good. He had you know high average with the Angels, really good player. Uh, the Padres, that was, it was hard for me. I was stuck between, uh, Nate Colbert and Adrian Gonzalez. And I was really close to picking Colbert. Um, you know, he's in the Padres Hall of Fame, was on the opening team. Thinking like historically, maybe I should have picked him, but I ended up going with Adrian Gonzalez because he had a much higher peak than Colbert. And, you know, Adrian Gonzalez had what, you know, played in Peco Park back when it really was just one of the worst parks to hit in modern history of baseball. And he had that great 2009 season where he hit 40 home runs, led the leagues of walks, had 162 OPS plus, uh, you know, ended up putting up about seven wins above replacement. And I think he even, uh, yeah, he won the gold glove that year too as well. 
overall with his, as a Padre, he played five seasons, hit 160 home runs, had 140 OPS plus. I don't think he's the worst choice in the world for first base. Um, I think uh, this might be another one that ends up going to the Dodgers, but I don't think Adrian Gonzalez is that far behind. Yeah, no, Adrian Gonzalez had a great career as a Padre. And all fairness, I would imagine at some point he would probably get into the Padres Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, totally. I, you definitely got to put him in the Hot Padres Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, classic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was part of the Dodgers team that he grew up with, so always a big fan of Aegon. Yeah, yeah, I, definitely a soft spot in my heart for him. I mean, I was a fan of him of his on the Red Sox. I mean, heck, even the Dodgers. Though I didn't, you know, I wasn't crazy about him being a Dodger. I was still always a big Adrian Gonzalez guy. Good good yeah. class act for sure. Yeah, great guy. And if there was ever like a Hall of Very Good, I think he'd make it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see him being in the Hall of Very Good. Now, Ian, I know the, uh, maybe, you know, a little off topic. I know the Dodgers don't have a proper Hall of Fame, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's like the Dodgers. They have they have like an honoring system. So guys like Fernando Valenzuela, Don Newcomb that aren't in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. Definitely, they they get they have some sort of ceremony. I think at Dodgers. I think it's pretty recent. They started last year, this coming year. Um, but they're starting to start that process. I think for a Dodgers Hall of Fame. Okay. Do you, I know Adrian Gonzalez would, isn't going to get his number retired for probably any of our teams or any of those teams we've already listed, but would you think that if there was a proper Dodgers Hall of Fame, Adrian Gonzalez would be in it? He had some great seasons with the Dodgers, especially early on. Uh, no. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I, I think the history is just too... I mean, I, I obviously in this theoretical Hall of Fame, I don't know what the constraints would be and how strict it would be to get into it, but like, I, I feel like one of the things that the big the big qualifier would be when I think of this person, I think of them as a Dodger, and I think of Adrian Gonzalez as a Padre. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's fair. All right, we got a little off topic. Uh, my fault. Uh, Ian, go ahead and uh, yeah. take it away. Um, so my pick for first base is also kind of a Hall of Very Good type guy. Uh, I picked Gil Hodges, um, another kind of icon of those '50s Dodgers teams. Um, and he was really great in that peak of his career. Uh, career slash line of 273, 359, 487 for an 846 OPS on the career. Um, and he wasn't, you know, a huge star. He never won an MVP, but he always got the job done in the middle of that Dodgers order. Um, seven straight all-star appearances from 1949 to 1955. Um, now, now, again, never the biggest star, but he'd hit you 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. He hit almost 300 most years. Um, so definitely a good bat. He's another Hall of Very Good guy. I don't expect him to be in the Hall of Fame anytime soon. Um, but yeah, Gil Hodges was the guy I decided to go with. All right. So uh, I guess it's uh, it's time to pick. Yeah, I'm going to give this one to Gil Hodges just for his longevity in, uh, as a first baseman. I think he had like, what, 360 home runs as a Dodger? Uh, he Average. Had- 370 career, yeah. So about that. Uh, two seasons with the Mets at the end of his career, so yeah, about 360. Yeah. Alright. Um, I'm assuming Ian's also going to give it a Gil Hodges? Uh, I'm going to go with the wrong career, actually. <laughs> oh, um, you're going to give me the, the, the decisive vote here? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I guess a lot of seasons were in Minnesota, but just yeah. I mean, something... it's twelve seasons versus seven seasons. But yeah, it's tough because it's almost as if he did have two. I mean, obviously, seven years is way too small of a sample size to call anybody a Hall of Famer. But you know, with all things considered, I mean, those seven years were still very good. You know, if you were to stretch those seven years, you were to take the average of them and stretch it out to you know a full career. I, I still think Rod Crew would be a Hall of Famer, but uh, that's that. I don't know. That's I don't tough. know. Three home runs a year, average 119 games, 315 average, 780 OPS. That's hard to beat, Gil Hodges. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm gonna have to give it to Gil Hodges, that's and I'm fair. gonna get. I'm going to get angry. Messages from <laughs> Eagles fans calling me a traitor, but yeah, I definitely I, won't argue it. I think if we're going strictly off Angels' careers, yeah, Gil Hodges is a pretty solid pick. But I, if we're taking overall career, I definitely rather have Gil Hodges, or I definitely rather have Rod Crew than Gil Hodges. Oh yeah, yeah. Rod Crew is definitely oh, yeah. like the, the, yeah, insane. What do you win like six batting titles in like seven years or something ridiculous? Yeah, I mean, average isn't really a number that most people value nowadays, but there is something magical about hitting three hundred. And he hit 300, like, 15 seasons in a row, which is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're winning six batting titles in seven seasons, you're, the rest of your triple slashes can be pretty good, too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the things that kind of hurts uh, Rod Carew is the fact that he is a Hall of Famer, but not for the Angels. So, you know, it, it's... He, you know, if we're talking about him as a twin, then I think he very clearly, I think he very easily takes it. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, no, I'm going to tip my cap here to Gil Hodges. All right. Anything before we wrap up first base? Anything else? Don't think so. Okay. Now, second base is going to be an interesting one. Maybe not for the Padres. I'm a big Mark Loretta guy. Actually, uh, one of my cats' uh, name is Loretta. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it, it wasn't because of Mark Loretta. I just say that now it's because of Mark Loretta because uh, two of our three cats are named after Angels players. We thought one of them was a girl, so we named her Loretta. Turns out she's a boy, but we kept Loretta. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was a big Mark Loretta guy growing up. But um, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what's up? He's good. No, yeah, it's definitely you, you know. His his peak Padre years were good, but he's good. <laughs> well, you know, I know how the order goes, but since I kind of already took the cat out of the bag, uh, uh, let's go ahead and skip to Andrew. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> my fault for stealing his phone that one, buddy. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> let's yeah, so, uh, yeah, go well, I went with Mark Florida, so <laughs> um, yeah, he, he played three years with the Padres. Two of them were really good. Uh, he. Peaked with the Padres, where he hit 335 with the 886 OPS, uh, 138 OPS plus. Had 47 doubles and 16 home runs. Overall with the Padres, he hit 314 with an 815 OPS. You know, really good Padre. Uh, one of my favorite Padres of all time. It's a shame that we only had him for three seasons. I definitely don't think he's going to be uh, coming. That you know, He'll be a solid number three here <laughs> once we do the rest of the list. So uh, there's not really much else to say at this point. Yeah, as I said, I was a big Mark Loretta guy growing up. I mean, <laughs> great hitter, uh, pretty good fielder from what I remember. Uh, 200 yeah. hits in a season. 
So yeah, no, Mark Loretta was a good pick. Um, so the guy I decided to go with was uh, Bobby Gritch, uh, one of the all-time great Angels. He was a California Angel for uh, ten seasons. Had uh, a two sixty nine career batting average. Uh, only had one hundred and fifty four home runs. Not exactly a power hitter. A thousand one hundred and three hits. But um, you know his on base percentage, all unreal. I mean, three seventy over ten seasons is pretty darn good. And even when he went to the Orioles and uh, was there for seven years, he saw a three seventy two on base percentage. So I mean, all I'm saying is, uh, Brad Pitt would have loved him, right? Because he gets on base. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're we're big Moneyball guys here. I don't, <laughs> I don't think uh, we've ever had that discussion with Ian, but uh, Andrew's made it very clear that his uh, favorite movie was Moneyball. So, I okay. I actually have not seen Moneyball. Really? I, I've I have read Moneyball, but I have not seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it's a good it's a good book as well. Uh, but I will say Moneyball holds up. I just watched it on the airplane bl- uh, flying home from uh, Atlanta, maybe uh, last month, the month before, and yeah, the movie still holds up. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing anything else right now. I might as well just watch it. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're stu- we're all stuck at home, so this is the time. <laughs> Um, but yes, so Bobby Grinch, uh, you know, got on base. Uh, I, he, he was one of the best defensive second baseman on highlights that I've seen. Him and uh, I believe uh, Jim Fergosi were a great little combo. So, uh, yeah, no, Bobby Grinch is going to be my pick. Yeah, dude, that's a great pick. No yeah, for sure. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he should be. Like 71 to placement for his yeah. career. Yeah, yeah, so just over 71 uh, war, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, Ian, go ahead and take it away. All right, well, I had to find a spot for him somewhere, so I decided to put Jackie Robinson in second base. Um, and, you know, even if you put, obviously, all, all the social issues he pioneered and went through, he was just a damn good baseball player. Like, he was really good, and I don't, that, I honestly don't think he gets enough credit for how good of a player he was. Um he won the rookie year, his first year. Um, MVP, his third year. Uh, in his 10-year career, he had 61 career wins, um, more than six a year, which you know would make him an all-star level player every year he played. Um, he stole bases. He played good defense. He had positional flexibility. He could play anywhere in the outfield. He played second. He played third. He played first, um, which is obviously a huge asset. Career 400 on base percentage. He took his walks. Um just really all around a great player. Um, the only thing I ever see levied against him is that he got caught stealing a lot. Um, he stole a lot of bases, but also caught, got caught stealing a lot. It's pretty reckless on the bases, but that's part of the mystique, I think. Um, I, I, I mean, I think everybody loves Jackie Robinson, and uh, he was he was really he was a great player. Absolutely. I mean, he was truly a pioneer for the game. A pioneer for his time. I mean, what he did was absolutely incredible. And um, that's actually a, a good time real quick uh, before we announce Jackie Robinson as a winner. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe you guys have a better argument for me. But um, uh, Jackie Robinson Day just passed. I don't know about you guys, but that's absolutely one of my favorite days of the baseball season. I, you know, mark my calendar immediately. And try yeah. to see where the Angels are playing. I mean, I, I don't know how you guys feel about uh, Jackie Robinson Day, but I just think the day is phenomenal. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. 
I think it's great. I mean, I love the tribute. Um, I love everybody wearing 42, just based on, like, one funny anecdote. Um, I mean, the Dodgers had a... I, I remember the Jackie Robinson day last year. They hit a walk-off home run against the Reds. Jock Peterson at home run. That was one of my favorite games of the season. So, definitely a big part of the Dodgers season, especially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I will say must be awesome about being a Dodgers fan. I mean, to think that your team was the team that broke the status quo and it's your team, uh, um, uh, Branch, uh, Branch Bricky. Branch Ricky, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was the guy who was like, hey, you know, I, I want an African-American baseball player. You know, I don't care what people say. I want to win a championship. So, you know, just that whole process is incredible. Yeah, for sure. It's important to note that Jackie Robinson, obviously the first black player, but he debuted at 28. So he lost potentially a lot of what could have been a really great career. Um and he served in the war, obviously, so that probably would have taken some of it away. But to think he could have had even better numbers if he debuted at a time when he was ready, when he was baseball wise ready to. Um, and the dude was just a ridiculous athlete. He was like he at UCLA. He played football, basketball, baseball, and track and field. Um, there's I mean, one of my favorite baseball stories is Vince Scully talking about how. They went to an ice skating rink one time with the whole Dodgers team, and Vince Scully was there. Um, and Jackie Robinson challenged Vince Scully to a skating ice skating race, and he'd never been ice skating before, and he still won. And it's just, <laughs> the dude was an absolute freak of nature. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, it's incredible to truly think about what he did. Uh, you know, I, I only can dream, and I'm sure all true baseball fans just – would love the opportunity to travel back in time to see Jackie Robinson play. I mean, can you guys just imagine that going to Ebbets Field to see Jackie Robinson play and just kind of see the history unfold before your eyes and think about the things that we've gone to see in our lifetime and all the great African American and just you know all the 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 non Caucasian baseball players who have just truly transformed the game and you know just to sit there see Jackie Robinson do that and think to yourself you know. In the year 2020, I'm going to see baseball in its golden age, and I'm going to see all these players, and it's all because of Jackie Robinson. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to go into this too much, but um, I've been saying that for years that I truly do believe, and I might sound crazy for saying it, but I 100% believe that this is the golden age of baseball. I mean, I don't think there's ever been more talent today than there you know, than we've ever seen in baseball. It's crazy, but. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, no question. Like opening up the entire world, basically, to baseball. So, yeah, right? It's got to be the most talent ever. Absolutely. This is the time, Rob Manfred. <laughs> Don't mess it up. <laughs> well, Mike's on the field. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> all right. Uh, anyone have anything to add about Jackie Robinson Day or, you know, before we uh, go ahead and. Uh, yeah, shot. Shout out to Larry Doby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was a great player, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, are, are we ready to uh, say who's who's going to win second base here? Yeah, I'm going to pick Mark Loretta. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to double down on Mark Loretta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Jackie Robinson. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Third okay. base, I think, will be – that's going to be a good one. Yeah, this will be our first real debate, I think. <clears throat> for third base? Yeah. yeah. I think so. 
Uh, I, I don't think they're out of my end. I'm going to have much of an argument here. I mean, the Angels have just not, you know, catcher in third base. He just kind of always been a, a, a hole there. You know, with the exception of, you know, Bob Boone and Benji Molina, they really never had a catcher. And third base, so you can almost say the same thing. Uh, so I went ahead and gave it to Troy Gloss. And once again, I'm just going to have to default to the 2002 World Series. Uh, you know, he won the World Series MVP. So at the end of the day, that's kind of why I gave it to him. Uh, you know, his career was average, a 38 war, nothing spectacular compared to, you know, some of the numbers we, we see nowadays. Uh, but um, in seven years with the Angels, he had a 253 batting average, you know, pretty average, nothing to write home about. Uh, 182 home runs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Troy Gloss was, is one of my favorite Angels, and it simply is just for that 2002 World Series. But if you take that away, I mean, I, I don't really think I have much of an argument here at all. I mean, two-time Silver Slugger, four-time All-Stars. That's really about it. Hi. Hey, he had that great 2000 season where he set the franchise record in home runs, right? 47? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean... He was pretty close. I can't believe he fell off the cliff like that. He was 23, has that great year. Yeah. And just can never put it back together like that. I mean, we see that all the time. I mean, the following year, he had a 41 home runs. And I mean, let me see, 30 in 2002. And then he never made it. No, no, he still had a home After he left the Angels, he had a couple of more good seasons. But... Yeah, 2005, 37 home runs. The, the following season in Toronto, 38. So, you know, he, he was still hitting bombs. I mean, 320 to end his career, that's respectable. Yeah. I mean, did he go to UCLA, too? So he was, like, he was really big to the L.A. area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, he went to Carlsbad High School. I, I just saw that right now. I had no idea. Oh, that's crazy. Drafted that? by the San Diego Padres in the second round of the 1994 MLB amateur draft. I know. Didn't sign Never forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ended up getting uh, picked third overall in 1997 by the uh, Angels. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Andrew, you're next. So, I picked uh, Kim Caminetti. He has the Padres' only MVP award. He had a, a great four-year uh, run with the Padres. He had a 924 OPS, 147 OPS plus. Hit 120 home runs. Averaged about 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. 30 doubles, uh, you know, just a great player for the Padres. 384 on base percentage. Uh, won a couple gold gloves with them. I think three, you know. And, you know, it's unfortunate that he died so young. The complications to extended cocaine use. But, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely one of my favorite players growing up. So I feel like I have a very strong argument in Kem Caminiti. But there's also uh, some great Dodger third baseman up there. So... Who Ian ends up picking? I think, unfortunately, there's just a lot of good Dodgers. Everything. Uh, <laughs> we do have the benefit of you know being around for a hundred years, so that's that true. Helps. Yeah, this is this is true. I mean, you have the longest history of all the teams. So yeah, um, <laughs> maybe the third we should baseman, have made it the LA Dodgers only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the third baseman I ended up going with was Ron Say. Um, he was the third baseman for those Dodgers teams in the seventies. Um, in his peak from 74 to 79, six straight all-star teams. 
Um, couple seasons of 30 home runs. Um, you know, he was never the biggest, flashiest player on the field, but he always got the job done. Um, you know, in his peak seasons, 75 and 76, he put up 6.7 and 6.1 wins above replacement. Career slash line of 261, 354, 445. So it wasn't excellent in any category, but it got the job done in all of them. Um, also worth noting, uh, World Series MVP in 1981. Um, so he definitely did it when it mattered. Um, he, again, not the flashiest pick. Uh, he never won an MVP, but he was always just like a real mainstay of those 70s Dodgers teams. You see Gil Hodgers at third baseman. That's true. I could have had Gil Hodgers or Steve Garvey play third. Yeah, um, I, I said go with say. Um, always a big fan of these kind of consistent producers. I'm surprised I haven't seen Steve Garvey in your list yet. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Dodgers have such a rich history, but I mean, if there's a king of the Hall of Very Good, it's probably Steve Garvey. Yeah, I mean, that's probably woman not endear me to many Dodgers fans, but I felt Steve Garvey was a little bit overrated. Um, yeah, yeah Andrew's hey, dad I'm, you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I totally agree with you. <laughs> No, your, I mean, your dad's like that, the biggest. Uh, Steve Garvey, I know. I mean, he he is obviously like a <laughs> Dodgers history, and obviously yeah. a great player. But I think I take Hodges or say over him. Dad, if you're listening, Steve Garvey sucks. Yeah. If we if we had a bench, <laughs> Steve Garvey would be a solid bet off the bench. Andrew's gonna make a Facebook post and be like, uh, "Well, uh, my father has just completely disowned me. Will not return my phone calls." <laughs> I know. I think he, to yeah. make it worse, he sent me a hundred dollar gift card to Arby's. <laughs> I hate Arby's. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Uh, do you, sorry, Ian. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, I don't think so. Um, Say has 53 career wins above replacement, but he is kind of an accumulator. You know, 17, 17 seasons. Um, so again, he's more of that slow and steady kind of guy. Not, not a huge star, but definitely somebody I'm a fan of. Yeah, All right. Great. Oh, go ahead, Andrew. Oh yeah, no, I said that Ron Say's great. It's one of those guys, you know, it's like not much you could argue with. Probably peaked around like six wins above replacement, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's a, that's a great player. I'll take like nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nine David Fletcher's. <laughs> right. <laughs> All uh, right, picks. I think you can make an argument for any of you guys. Um, I think you're underselling Troy. Gloss. I think you're underselling Troy Gloss a little bit. Um, he he kind of came up when I was a younger kid, but I always saw him as this, like hulking home run hitter. Like he was always scary when he came to the plate, even before I was kind of into numbers, anything like that. He is I, definitely. I mean, he was always a masher. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, he was high on base guy too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh yeah, three fifty yeah three fifty eight career. So you know he got on base. Yeah, and then uh, you know, and I think that just that two thousand season was so dominant. That's what I think about him. Like as far, if we were gonna pick like a peak year, like it'd be like a toss up between Kem Kemenetti's ninety seven season and Troy Gloss's twenty three year old season. Yeah, yeah. I mean the two eighty four that year as far as the batting average. Get this on base percentage guys four oh four. Yeah. <laughs> Can you guys imagine getting on base more than 40% of the time? I know, right? I mean, you get to see Mike Trout every year, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, have, that's fair. We really would have to go over center field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of feel the same way about <coughs> right field, to be honest. 
he had, I feel like, yeah. It'll be interesting when we get to relief pitcher, if we go for, like, longevity or if we go for peak. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <coughs> okay, so third base, Andrew, who's your pick? I'm going to be, I don't know, because I have to throw in there, and Caminetti was a known steroid user. I'm not, like, a big fan of that overall. So I feel like it's hard for me to pick him for the all-time team, like, considering that he cheated. So I'm going to yeah, go I have a steroid in mind, too. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I keep guessing. Yeah, I, I see it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with um, I'm gonna go with Ron Say, just because. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with Ron Say, too. I mean, Ken Caminetti, though he was dominant for his, uh, for his, uh, you know, his time with the Padres, only MVP in team history, which still baffles me, uh, just because, you know, the Padres have had a ton of talent that has gone through there, you know, Hall of Fame talent. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy that to say that, you know, imagine a room full of just all-time great Padres for him to be the only guy whose hands were raised when they asked how many of you guys have an MVP. But, uh, no. yeah. I should have made it interesting and picked uh, Gary Sheffield with my third baseman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. The forecasting, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, all so right. I think, Ian, who's your vote? I mean, even though it's already locked up. Honestly, if... Kevin Caminiti didn't have the steroids hangover. Said I'd probably pick him just based off peak seasons. Um, yep. I mean that MVP season was huge. Uh, but as it stands right now, I'll go with say yeah. I, he's just that slow and steady guy. He plays great defense at third. He'll get the job done. All right. We'll see yeah. if there's any Padres or Angels that make the list. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean the Dodgers are just kind of running away with this contest. Maybe we should have picked something else. <laughs> We should have compared bathrooms that we were talking about earlier. The Dodgers would have lost by, def- <laughs> by default. Yeah. They wouldn't have even been in the, argue- in the discussion. We should have picked only 1994 Dodgers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and move on to shortstop. Now, I think shortstop is going to be another one of those very interesting debates. So uh, as far as the Angels' best shortstop, I picked Jim Fergosi. Now, Jim Fergosi's uh, number is retired as an angel. I believe he was the first angel to get his number retired. Uh, born in, in San Francisco, so he is a California kid. He had a career war of 48.7, which is, you know, very respectable. Now, as an angel, he played with the team for 11 seasons, had a 268 batting average, a 340 on base percentage, a slight percentage of 403. So, you know, definitely drove the ball. Um, not a huge power guy, but, you know, still had 151 career home runs. Granted, you know, over 18 years, that's not the sexiest number. But that wasn't necessarily his game. Had a great glove. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I it, it was tough for me. I was very, very close to picking Andrelton Simmons. I personally believe that Anderson Simmons is probably the best defensive shortstop. Well, I mean, I don't think there's any argument that he's the best defensive player in baseball right now. But I do think that when it's all said and done, he'll arguably be the best defensive shortstop of all time. You know, you still have Ozzie Smith. But, uh, you know, I think Anderson Simmons will be in that discussion and you won't sound crazy. But um, as of right now, I'm giving it to Jim Fergozzi. Because he has the longevity as an angel at the moment. I think Anderson Simmons has only been here 
since uh, 2016, I believe. So, yeah, yeah. That, that, that is what I'm going with. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I think, I mean, speaking of Ozzy Smith, that's going to be my choice for the Padres. I mean, I guess I could have chosen Fernando Tatis Jr. for his half season. I mean, there's other choices like Gary Templeton. Um, but I mean, as far as like, there, there's like a lot of choices for the Padres for shortstop. I mean, I could have picked Khalil Green, but Khalil Green never quite put it all together as a Padre. He had flashes or, for sure. He had flashes of greatness for sure. Uh, I mean, the best peak season, I think, for Padre for shortstop was definitely uh, uh, Ozzie Smith's 1980 season where he had three and a half wins above replacement on defense. Ended up being 5.1 wins above replacement. Had one of the best defensive seasons in Padre history. So that was why I went with him. Plus, like, you know, kind of like what you did with Ron Carew, just like the overall greatness. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to win this one, you know, outright. I think he is a good choice as far as, like, he showed flashes of, like, that all-time great defense that season. But, yeah, I mean, so Ozzy Smith's my choice. I mean, if we're talking career, Ozzy Smith uh, definitely would have had a great, would have been a you know great argument. But no, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to win this one. But <laughs> had had some great seasons with the Padres. Yeah. Um, so for my shortstop, I decided to give a Pee Wee Reese. Um, another kind of one of these iconic players from the you know late '40s, early '50s Dodgers teams. Um, and Reese is another guy who's more... He's a glove first shortstop, just like all the rest of our players that we've picked. Um, and, you know, career 269, 366, 377 slash line. So, didn't really... Didn't have a whole ton of pop. 126 career home runs. Um, but he put the ball in play. Uh, he took his walks. You know, for the time... Probably underrated as a hitter for the time period he played in. Um and, I mean, he could feel like a dream. Like, he's one of the great defenders of the, you know, kind of mid-century baseball teams. Um, consistent all-star pick. Uh, I think 10 straight all-star seasons um, from in the mid-40s and early 50s. Uh, and basically all of that was predicated on his fielding. So, um, he got the job done with the bat. He wasn't great. Career 99 OPS plus, but definitely serviceable for a defensive or shortstop. Um yeah, and he did it for a while. He played, you know, 16, 16 seasons in his career. Totally 39. Yeah, he lost three years of the award, didn't he? Yep, yep, yep. So, could have been 19 seasons. Yep, 43, 44, and 45. So, I mean, just imagine how much more he could have inflated those numbers. You know, I was kind of looking at it, like, comparing uh, Fergosi to Pee Wee Reese. So, Pee Wee Reese had a 743 OPS plus as his career as a Dodger. Jim Fergosi had a 70, 743 OPS career. As the Angels. Uh, Their batting Reese, averages are one point off. Yeah. Fergosi uh, averaged uh, 4.2 wins per wins above replacement for his career uh, per season as an Angel. Pee Reese, 4.3. So it's kind of you know, interesting how close they resembled. Although that was yeah. over Pee Reese's entire career with like the seven-year decline at the end, you know. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like we're just going to keep giving these to Dodgers. <laughs> But I feel yeah, like part of me just kind of wants to give the Jim Fergosi just because <laughs> I'm like, gosh, the, the Dodgers keep on winning for now. But I mean, yeah, you kind of got to give it to Pee Wee Reese. I mean, 
as much as it pains me, not, not nothing against Pee Wee Reese. I actually have one of his bobbleheads. Uh, I was, I, I'm a big Pee Wee Reese guy, but I mean, gosh, <laughs> give us something. Give me something. <laughs> yeah, the Dodgers kind of had this monopoly on infielders from these ridiculous, you know, mid-century Dodgers teams. But I think it'll, it'll get more interesting in the outfield for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Fans, I need, I need some help. I'm stuck in Sacramento, <laughs> giving not, all these victories to the Dodgers. <laughs> Okay. No, but I mean, the Dodgers have such a rich history. And I mean, you know, I'm bred to not like the Dodgers, but I mean, it's so hard because the Dodgers have just had so many amazing players through, the, through their history. I mean, you can't possibly hate a guy like Pee Wee Reese. You can't possibly hate Jackie Robinson unless he has something else wrong with you. So, you know, we, we can probably go down the list and, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Anything, anybody have anything else to add about shortstop? No, I, I think I think getting the left field is going to be where we start having some like actual debates. Yeah, thank gosh. But uh, I mean, hey, for the record, I do think Jim Fergosi was a close second. I'm not just saying that. I, do, I mean, if I we're did. talking Ozzy Smith's whole career, Ozzy Smith is, I think, pretty clearly first. But oh well, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move on here to left field. So uh, now this is where it's going to start getting interesting from here on out, I believe. So left field, I decided to go with Garrett Anderson. Now, it was hard because um, part of me kind of wanted to go for Tim Salmon. But, I mean, I kind of have to cut somebody out here. Maybe if there would have been a DH option, I would have gone with Tim Salmon. But uh, Garrett Anderson is going to get the tip of the cap for me here. He was also part of that 2002 World Series team. Two career service sluggers. Uh, He only made three all-star appearances, though. Uh, 25.7 career war, so just about 26. Uh, He was an angel for all but uh, two of his uh, career seasons, and that was 09 and 2010 when he was a Dodger for, uh, you know, half the season. Not a good Dodger. Yeah, but well, 28 games. So, (laughs) uh, a part-timer, to say the least. But uh, he was a great angel. He had a career batting average on the Angels. Uh, so th- this was for 15 seasons uh, of uh, 296. He had an on-base percentage of 327. Uh, 272 career home runs. Um, so, you know, he, he was definitely capable of uh, putting one over the fence. Uh, he was a doubles machine uh, for the middle part of his career, 2002, 2003. Uh, he had 56 uh, doubles and 49 doubles, respectively. So, uh, you know, kind of uh, boosted up the slugging percentage there. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, he, he was also great defensively. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Garrett Anderson I, I is arguably the best pick for left fielders as far as the Angels. I mean, Mike Trout was a left fielder when he first came up. Uh as I mentioned earlier, you also had Tim Salmon and then, you know, Darren Erstad. So there's definitely multiple options, but I think Garrett Anderson kind of ran away with it just because he leads the Angels in uh, a pretty decent amount of uh, team stats. Including, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, play appearances. I'm pretty sure games played is even something he uh, might uh, have under his belt. You should have done a, uh, a power move and just put Mike Trout in all three outfield positions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's never played right field, but he still probably qualifies. He had 17 games. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't pay. I guess I didn't see that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, like I said, Garrett Anderson is my pick. All right, Andrew. I, I went with Greg Vaughn. Uh, I feel like his 1998 season was the the best left field season of any of the three teams. He had 50 home runs, 119 RBIs, 960 OPS. Was third in the majors in home runs that year. Uh, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, he also had one of the worst left field seasons in Padre history in 1997. So I got. <laughs> Where he had a 716 OPS and hit 216 with 18 home runs in 120 games. But uh, I feel like, you know, if we're going for peak season, I feel like Greg Vaughn's got that one wrapped up. If we're going for longevity, he's nowhere close. But if we're going for consistency, he's also nowhere close. But, uh, you know, he's on the best Padre team of all time. So I got to give him props for that. I mean, in all fairness, if we're going for, uh, you know, just uh, the peak of their career, I mean, Greg Vaughn could probably stack up against anybody, really. I mean, it was a, 50 home runs in that 98 season is incredible, let alone the fact he did in the last game. Yeah, he did and finished uh, top five in MVP awards in one of the most stacked seasons ever. Yep, yep. Anything to add? No, uh, yep. Greg Vaughn's my choice for left field for the Padres. All right. Uh, Mr. Rickles. Yeah. Uh, my pick is actually a little bit out there in left field, I think. Not a guy most people think of when I think of the Dodgers, but... um. I decided to go with Gary Sheffield in left field. Um, he played four seasons uh, in L.A. He played left field for the majority of most of them. Um, and let, I'm like, there, there's the steroids uh, obviously hanging over the, the head of Gary Sheffield. Um, but, I mean, if you, just despite that, he absolutely destroyed the baseball in his four seasons in L.A. Um, he slashed 312, 424, 573. Um, for a 160 OPS plus, which is the best tenure he had out of any team, um, he just he just killed the ball. Uh, and sure, you know he sure sure he probably took steroids. Sure, he couldn't feel his position, but the dude just hit the baseball so well. Um, he was just good at every aspect of hitting. Uh, he took his walks, hit for average, hit for power, hit home runs. Um, it's kind of funny. I'm looking through his baseball reference page right now. Um, he is. Career negative twenty seven defensive war. <laughs> yeah, it's like Manny Ramirez level. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably should have been a DH exclusively, as he was later in his career. But um, yeah, I mean the dude just raked. I don't. I I really don't think you can argue with his offensive stats in his time with the Dodgers. <clears throat> oh, no, 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 definitely. I, I mean, as far as like, like he said best peak as far as like his entire career and he's one of the best hitters of all time if you take out the steroids yeah all right so now the moment of truth who are you guys picking i want to pick Garrett anderson but he also was horrible for getting on base which like really brought down his entire career as he said like only 25 wins above replacement for as long a career as he had he had a 324 the on base percentage career, yeah, two percent walk rate, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's a swinger. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, he can't fault too much. I mean, it's he definitely played the majority of his career in our time when walk rate wasn't something people really looked at. I'm sure if somebody told him, "Hey, maybe you should take some more walks." He probably would have. That's true. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Was... It was definitely a different brand, a different kind of baseball. That was, you know, the height. That, that was, you know, in the steroid era. 
So, you know, it, it was just all about, you know, making that sexy hit. Yeah. I mean, he Not also he did power have guy a either. 300 on base percentage when Barry Bonds are putting up like a 600 on base percentage. Yeah. So. <laughs> Barry Bonds got on base uh, 106% of the time. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Are we going for longevity? Are we going for peak? Or are we going for steroids? question. <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean I I I think I'm gonna automatically take out Gary Sheffield on this one. I, it's I, it's not even because of the steroids thing. I, I just think I don't I don't know. I'm really torn on this one. Part of me wants to say Greg Vaughn simply for that ninety eight season. But uh it's not longevity though. Yeah, I mean, if we're—I mean, I don't—you don't think of Gary Sheffield as a Dodger. He's—you—you you, you don't. I, I think he, of him he as he really a, wasn't even that well liked in his time as a Dodger, from what I've heard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's worth noting that Gary Sheffield had three seasons with a higher OPS plus than Gary than Greg Vaughn's and near MVP season. Um, and he obviously didn't play defense as well, but I, I think it is worth noting. No, that's definitely worth noting. All right. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm t- I mean, I, really... I think if we're picking a baseball player, I wouldn't fault anybody for not counting Gary Sheffield for his steroid use, but I'm going with Gary Sheffield. I'm going to stick to my guns here. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Greg Vaughn. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go with longevity, just because I was always a fan of Garrett Anderson when I was a kid. I'm going to pick Garrett Anderson on this one. Okay. Um yeah, all right. I'm going to go longevity, too. I'm going to go Garrett Anderson. I wouldn't fault anybody for that. He's definitely a career angel type guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when you think of uh, the best angels of all time, I mean, I, I think at the current moment, you know, you, you do think of Garrett Anderson, especially people, you know, who are younger, or at least in our age group, or, you know, people who maybe even younger who understand the game. Um, you know, Garrett Anderson is somebody who's still very – uh, present as far as you know, uh, with the Angels, you know he'll still come by to the stadium quite a, quite a lot. He's still very um, noteworthy in the franchise. You know, Greg Vaughn and Gary Sheffield aren't the most present with these respective franchises. Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll say Gary Sheffield as far as like a hitter was definitely the best hitter of the three. Yeah, he was a very far. feared hitter. I, mean, I remember. <laughs> Playing as Gary Sheffield on you know baseball video games as a kid, like MVP baseball 2005. He had the scariest batting stance. <laughs> yeah. Waving the, that uh, bat back and forth. Yeah. Spread open legs with, with almost like the Barry Bonds, you know, tilt of the bat. Yeah. Yeah, because Barry Bonds did the same thing. But yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, for some reason, I didn't vote for King Kevinetti. I'm just tired of steroids. Either make it legal or keep it out. Well, one of the two. Yeah, I'm sure we could talk about steroid usage for an entire episode. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's like, something we should talk yeah, about. Maybe. Yeah, I'd be down for them to like legalize it and have it like doctor like regulated, but I don't know. It's a tough one. All right. Uh, ready to move on? Yeah. I think do we skip do we skip center field? <laughs> well, we could. No, I, I, I think don't. I think there's a good argument for center field still. If we're talking okay. total career versus, like, what's, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's definitely discussion to be had. 
Yeah, I'm not going to dispute the winner, but there's definitely discussion to be had. Uh, yeah, I mean, center field is kind of one of those positions for probably, you know, all for every team in the major leagues. Um, you know, center field just that's ultimately where one of your best athletes is. So most teams have a very rich history of center fielders and, and shortstops for that matter. It's kind of funny. The Angels have such a, you know, not a very successful history at, at shortstop, but uh, center field. Uh, I decided to go with somebody named Mike Trout. Yeah, because I heard he sucks, though. So he'll be a distant third on this one. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, maybe. so far uh, in uh, Mr. Michael Nelson Trout's career, um, he has been on the Angels for uh, nine seasons now. Has played a total of 1,199 career games. Now, so far, uh, he has a career war of 72.8, which is already past quite a few amounts of uh, uh, Hall of Famers. I believe he already passed Willie Mays, uh, right? That, no, I don't think so. No, uh, I think Willie Mays is like up around 150 or something. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah, yeah something like I that. Think he but he's I think he's passed the majority, or yeah, past more than fifty percent of Hall of Fame, or something like that. There was a couple of Hall of Famers he saw that I was just like blown away. Yeah, yeah. Well, Willie Mays is one fifty six. Trying to find out who it was because it was definitely somebody yeah. that was blown away. I was like, there's no way. I, I, was it Derek, Mickey Mantle, perhaps? Derek, Derek Jeter. He just passed. Oh well, yeah. Okay, I, I think it might have been Derek Jeter. But uh, he gets compared to as the modern-day Mickey Mantle all the time. I'm sure you guys have heard that comparison. For sure, yeah. Um, yeah. Already has a total of 1,324 hits, uh, 285 home runs, and, and uh, has a career batting average of 305 at the moment. Has an even 200 solo bases. I'm only bringing that up because that, that shocks me. I remember he used to be such a solo base uh, uh, uh he used to steal so many bases in the beginning part of his career. Kind of uh, let that aspect go. But the thing that blows me away about Mike Trout, he's yet to win a single gold glove. You know, and I know it's something that he's been striving for, and he's made it pretty clear publicly that he wants to win a gold glove. It's just, you know, that's where one of the best athletes goes. So every team has great center fielder, seemingly. So, you know, Kevin Kiermeyer seems to get him all the time. Maybe, uh, maybe yeah, that's no. part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. definitely just as much about other great defensive center fielders as it is Mike Trout. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Mike Trout uh, didn't win it, uh, what, two years ago? He didn't have a single error. So. I think I was actually looking at So there's the new defensive statistic that baseball savant published called outs above average. Yep, And so it incorporates kind of like all different aspects of defensive outfielding. So, you know, speed, jump, you know, the ability to catch a ball. Um, and it was really interesting because Mike Trout had the worst jump out of any outfielder that they recorded. But he still had a good overall numbers. And I think he just has a different approach to playing center field than a lot of other players. Where he'll really like take the time to read a ball before he like makes his move onto it. And, you know, it's a pretty stark contrast to a lot of other, you know, the, I don't have the numbers up right now, but it is a pretty stark contrast to the other kind of goal of winning center fielders. This is a cool idea, the different philosophy on playing playing defense. Yeah, I mean, um, he tracks the ball very well. He takes some of the most efficient routes to balls I've ever seen. 
So, I mean, you know, and that's probably another reason why he, you know, his, the, his delay because he reads the ball is probably part of the reason why he makes so many spectacular catches yeah. because, you know, he's always a step behind. <laughs> yeah. but it really doesn't seem to slow him down or affect his game at all. I mean, he seemingly makes highlight reels all the time. I mean, I, I, he's the best player in baseball, in my opinion. Uh, maybe somebody might argue with me and say it's somebody like Mookie Betts, Nolan Arenado. There's a lot of great baseball players. I think we live in a great time uh, as far as baseball. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's quite obvious as to why I picked Mike Trout. Yeah, yeah, I won't disagree with you there. I mean, I think it's pretty clear the best player on what we've said is a, kind of a golden age of baseball talent. Yeah, he's he's a consensus player for sure. Actually, I have a doubt above average. Who's minus two above average last year? Came in uh, 62nd in baseball and out, out of all fielders. Crazy. Yeah, so out of 90 that qualified. So he's he's still got some work to do in outfield if he wants that gold glove. <laughs> All right. Um, anybody have anything else to add about uh, Mike Trout before we move on to Andrew? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Mike Trout goes without saying, you know. <laughs> yeah. Step up. I don't think we could say anything that hasn't already been said. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, right? there's not a lot of great center fielders for the Padres. Talking about all those great out, uh, athletes and Padres have uh, kind of been lacking. I guess I, I picked Steve Finley. I could have gone with Mike Cameron. Um, you know, Mike Cameron a couple, was great. Yeah. Only played a couple of years with the Padres. Didn't have his best seasons with them, but it's still pretty good. Especially Probably. defensively. He's great defensively. Yeah. He won a gold glove, right? Yeah, he won a gold glove with them. You like pretty sure. Yeah, and then uh, I think his most famous moment was running into uh, Milton Bradley at first base and or holding Milton Bradley back and tearing his Achilles heel in <laughs> <laughs> ending the Padres' season chances for postseason. Absolutely. So uh, I would go with Steve Pinley, another 1998 Padre. He had one really good season with the Padres. Ended up being like 5.8 wins above average or above replacement. Uh, overall, though, was pretty up and down with the Padres. So I mean, he's clearly above Mike Trout, but we'll see. We'll see what the vote says. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what the jury says. <laughs> All right, uh, for the Dodgers, I decided to go with Duke Snyder. Again, another one of these, you know, mid-century Dodgers players. Um, Offensively, he has, in his peak, Mike Trout-esque numbers. Um, he was never really a great defender. He might have been a little bit stretched in center. Um, and it, it's crazy to think he was probably the third best defender in New York City, or the third best center fielder in New York City, because he played at the same time as Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle. Um, he was really kind of always overshadowed by them, kind of in this all-time greats uh, discussion. Um, but, you know, 66 career wins above replacement, which is less than Mike Trout currently has. Um, but still, you know, he's easily all of famer, no question. One of the iconic players of that mid-century golden age of baseball. So um, I think he's a, I mean, he's one of the great players of all time. You know? Even he holds up today still, 919 career OPS, 380 career on base percentage, um, 140 career OPS plus. So he's still definitely great by today's metrics and, you know. Great player. Yeah, that peak was really, really was like a Mike Trout type peak. Yep. 320 average, 415 on base, 1,040 OPS. Yeah. Comparable for sure. I mean, if not, maybe even a little bit better because I don't think Trout's ever had nearly that high of an average. No, Mike Trout's got that 198 OPS plus season, though. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, no, Trout had a three twenty-six uh, batting average. Yeah, Trout hits for average. He's got yeah, that yeah. insane on base percentage. Very similar to Mickey Mantle. I'm curious to see if he'll ever crack like a five hundred on base percentage. Yeah, I mean, he still has nothing on Barry Bonds' uh, on base percentage, so. Yeah, well, Barry Bonds used cheat codes, so. Yeah. <laughs> I was a big Barry Bonds guy growing up. Barry Bonds is the guy you love to hate growing up as a Dodgers fan, all right? <laughs> share disliking Barry Bonds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, near the end, I wasn't that big of a Barry guy, but I mean, you know, growing up, I mean, Barry Bonds was like Superman. Oh, yeah. So, all right. Think, uh, so, uh, Steve Finley, huh? Yeah, Steve Finley. <laughs> all in favor? <laughs> See if we can see yeah. that vote for <laughs> Cooper sounds calling, Steve. <laughs> All right, so uh, anybody have an argument against Mike Trout? I certainly do not. No, definitely not. But I, I do think that Duke Snyder, if Mike Trout wasn't there, would have been like a clear favorite. I'm trying to think who I would have put in center field if it wasn't for Mike Trout. Like, pretend he didn't exist. I mean, maybe Torrey Hunter? Maybe, yeah, I was thinking Hunter or Darren Erstad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably would have taken uh, Torrey Hunter over Darren Erstad in that situation. But, I mean, yeah, if it wasn't for Mike Trout, it would have been like Torrey Hunter. It probably would have been Duke Snyder. Oh, it was yeah. very, very respectable. I think, I think Darren Erstad had that. I remember, really, did he have like 240 hits one year? I believe so, yes. Yeah. It was like ridiculous, ridiculous couple of years. Uh, All right. So All should right. we go to right field? Absolutely. As we round it up, we got three more positions. If you guys are still listening, thank you guys. <laughs> All right. So right field, um, I decided to go with uh, Big Daddy Vladdy, the only Hall of Famer uh, in Angels history, uh, which is kind of surprising, especially for somebody we're going to talk about later. But uh, had a career war of 59.5, so just underneath 60. He won an MVP. Uh, one of only three Angels to win the MVP. Obviously, Trout's won it three times now, but Don Baylor won it, as well as uh, Vladimir Guerrero, as I just said. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero, as an Angel, had a 319 batting average, a 381 uh, on base percentage. He had a total of uh, 173 home runs, and that was in six seasons. Uh, now, Vladimir Guerrero, as I'm sure you guys remember, was the man during that time. You know what I mean? Like, he would hit anything, doesn't matter how bad that pitch was. He was going to find a way to clobber it, put it over the fence, whatever. I mean, the guy was the definition of, you know, fun to watch. Yeah, no question. I mean, one of my favorite baseball clips is him hitting a ball off the ground for a double. I love that clip. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, had a slugging percentage of 546 as a, as an angel career. So, yeah. you know, he definitely liked to drive the ball. Uh, 206 seasons, or 206 <laughs> hits. Uh, I, I just noticed he did that in uh, 2002 with the Expos. I never knew he uh, he got he, he was that kind of hitter. I always thought he was, you know. Yeah, no, he was. The guy was great. Great contact yeah. hitter too. He also got 206 hits in 2004, which was his uh, MVP season. Yeah, that that guy could just hit anything. Absolutely. He averaged averaged like 75 strikeouts a year while he was hitting 40 home runs. 
So yeah, I mean, he was one of my favorite players to watch, and it had nothing to do with him being, you know, in an Angels uniform. I mean, the guy was just fun to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, he is like one of the best arms in outfield history. Just yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go with uh, Tony Gwynn. It was a tough choice. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot to a lot of people have been knocking Tony Gwynn for being a one-dimensional player, uh, mostly a singles hitter. His on-base for, uh, for his career was 388, which uh, you know is really high, but it's not like those dominant guys with the 425 on-base percentage for their career. As far as people that are regularly brought into the conversation of greatest hitters of all time. Uh, Tony Gwynn hit 338 for his career, which for all players that started after post-World War II is the highest of all time. He had a, I like to break up his uh, five-year peak. So from 1993 to 1997, where it's age 33 to 37 seasons, he hit 368 with a 412 on base, 920 OPS, and a 146 OPS plus, where he averaged 40 walks a season, but only 20 strikeouts. Still managed to have a little bit of pop, averaged about 10 home runs a year and 37 doubles. You know, he's a great player. Probably could have gone to the pros as a point guard. I think he was even selected by the Clippers out of uh, out of college from San Diego State. He was, yes. Yeah, so uh, he's going to be my pick. Won some gold gloves with the Padres, even though I think advanced metrics now would say that he was kind of a poor defender. But he had that great one-hop throw from right field into second base, so he had a lot of outfield assists. Yep. Yeah, best Padre of all time, hands down. It's he's crazy. He seemingly got better with age. You know what I mean? They say the father time's undefeated, but, I mean, Tony Gwynn was always the man. I mean, he always found a way to be productive. He would always find a hole. Obviously, he's famous for the uh, 5.5 hole. But, I mean, the guy would just put it where they aren't, where they weren't. Yeah, even against the shift, which was, like, deployed since the late 80s against him, he always found a way to beat it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the guy was incredible. I mean, what they called him Captain Video because of all the work he did. And he was one of the first players to truly embrace video uh, video work. You know, he yeah. was very, very big about trying to, you know, encourage uh, other players to go ahead and use that. And, you know, he, he was known to sit there for hours just watching the same at-bat. You know what I mean? Just because he wanted to critique every single, you know, possible thing that was wrong with a, with a swing. And it's funny to say that because, you know, he would just talk about how unperfect his swing was and his game was, when in reality, I mean, all of us sat in the crowd with our mouth wide open and just thought how beautiful of a stroke he had. I mean, it was incredible. Oh, yeah, it was insane. And, I mean, as far as like getting better with age, he had 356 over the last nine years of his career. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's unreal. Like I said, they, the, the motto is that father time's undefeated, yet Tony Gwynn uh, almost seems like he proved that wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he... It's worth noting he he could run too. I mean, he had a 56, 56 steals in nineteen eighty seven. He was like yep. a consistent thirty plus steal guy for the first part of his career. Yeah. So I mean, he's a great all around player, and Absolutely. I would say he kind of is a one dimensional player, but he is very very good at that one dimension. Yeah, I mean, arguably one of the greatest uh, as far as contact, you know, to ever play the game. Yeah, I would say like since he played in like the strikeout era where people started like. You know, focusing on that in the late 90s. Talk to like Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, and those type of players coming in. You have to say he's the greatest contact hitter of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I would never even, you know. Yeah, no question. Dream he, or disagree with you. And I, I saw this stat that um, 
he had like a four over a four hundred career batting average against Greg Maddox. Yeah, against Hall of Fame players, I think he had like a three forty average. So he did think it's the best. Yeah, he had 107 career play appearances in Greg Maddox. He had 415 and had zero strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's insane. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That, that's unheard of. What What was the Greg Maddox's quote in his Hall of Fame speech? He quoted a uh, talked about Tony Gwynn in his Hall of Fame speech. I think. What do you say? Uh, I I I don't remember, but I mean, I'm sure it was something like, "Oh, well, one of the things I never accomplished was striking out Tony Gwynn." <laughs> have to be something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in one more cuss word. We can cut it out later or bleep it. <laughs> he said sometimes hip, uh, hitters can pick up differences in spin. They can identify pitches. There are different relief point re- release points, or if a curveball starts with an upward hump as it leaves the pitcher's hand. But if a pitcher can change speeds, every hitter is helpless, limited by human vision, except for that fucker Tony Gwynn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, Tony Gwynn was just. Uh, he he was unreal. I mean, I'll uh, I'll I'll go ahead and leave it there because I mean I could probably talk about Tony forever as I'm sure we all really could in reality. Just like Jackie Robinson, you know, we can talk about those two guys forever. Yeah, sure. yeah absolutely. All right. I mean, anything last to add no, about that, Andrew? I'm gonna vote for Tony Gwynn. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, Ian. Oh, yeah. Sorry. This is true, yeah. (laughs) Get ahead of yourself. The Dodgers got enough. All right. Go ahead. For the Dodgers, uh, I have kind of our only dead ball player on the list, Uh, Zach Wheat. Um, He's the career uh, hits leader for the Dodgers, 2,884 career hits um, in his entire career with the Dodgers. Um, He really kind of was a proto-Tony win. Uh, 317 career average, 367 on base, 450 career slug. Um, and, you know, he didn't, he hit for average, obviously, all-time career daughter's hit later. Um, he didn't take a ton of walks. He didn't have a ton of pop. Um, only a couple seasons of double-digit home runs, but he hit a ton of doubles. Um, he could run. He hit for great average. He's really more of a left fielder than a right fielder, but I decided to cheat and put him at right. Um, I do want to have some representation for this dead ball era of baseball, and I think he represents that era pretty well. Um, great contact back, play good defense in the corners. Um, just Zach Weed is the guy I decided to go with. Yeah, definitely. He's one of my uh, favorite baseball cards that I have. That made in your oh, condition. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right. Anything else to add about uh, Zach Weed? Uh, probably one of the least well known Hall of Famers. Um, there's also kind of these archaic Hall of Famers that nobody's ever heard of. Exactly, <laughs> it falls under that banner. He's a great player. Yeah, for sure. Another guy that got better with age too, if I remember correctly. Crazy to think yeah. this is the one. Uh, this is uh, our first category. We have all Hall of Famers. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. Our first category so far. Um, Actually, no. Our only, our only category. Yeah, it looks like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Zach Wheat from his age 35, 34 to thirty nine hit three forty six. Yeah, three seventy five in nineteen twenty three, three seventy five in nineteen twenty four, and his age thirty five and thirty six seasons. Yeah, that's great. So he figured it out. He had the the old film cameras out there getting the video. Uh, <laughs> I think the dead ball era ended in nineteen twenty one, so probably didn't hurt. No, yeah, he probably would have been like a 15 home run guy his entire career if yeah. there was no dead ball. 
All right. Um, this is one of those where you can probably pick anybody, any of these three guys, and you're not going to you know, regret your decision. But I'm going to have to give it to Tony Gwynn for the simple fact of, you know, he was just uh, amazing for the time. Uh, you know, as you said, early in his career, he was very fast. He, you know, he, he stole bases. Uh, he won gold gloves. He won multiple batting titles. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to give it to Tony Gwynn. I 100% agree. Yeah, I'm going to vote for Zach Wheat. <laughs> I mean, the fact that Tony Gwynn never won an MVP still kind of baffles me. I understand that, you know, he he wasn't a power hitter. You know, you, a lot of people want their MVPs to hit nothing but home runs, you know. Yeah, definitely was never going to be a home run hitter. Uh, no. He only had like one top five finish. Still kind of sour that he didn't at least get top five finish in 94, where he hit like 394. Yeah. I mean, there were some great years. I think Bagwell, when he hit like 368 with like 40 home runs, 114 games or something, and broke his leg the next day. So he would have been out for the season. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, uh, it is pretty stupid. I mean, if he hit 400, I think he would have won MVP. Yeah, I, think so. I would like to think so, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, so we'll give that one to Tony. Yep, we'll give that one to Tony, and I think I think the next one might be pretty open and shut too. <laughs> if we're going starting pitchers next. Yeah, yeah, starting pitchers and really no, no. so we're almost yeah. there. It's definitely a peak versus longevity discussion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so uh, Nolan Ryan is going to be my pick uh, as a uh, California Angel. I could have gone with a lot of guys. I could have gone with uh, Chuck Finley, who is the Angels' all-time leader in wins and one of their uh, leaders in war. Um, I, I think he's right underneath. Uh, oh, no, there's a couple guys. But um, as far as pitchers, Chuck Finley is one of the better pitchers. Uh, you know, Jared Weaver would have been a good option. But I'm going to go ahead and go with Nolan Ryan just because, you know, he's he's the sexy name in this. Uh, and, you know, a lot of our teams have benefited from having uh, great starting pitching. Uh, well, for the Angels, it's been quite a while since they've had good starting pitching. But, you know, early on, they had uh, some pretty good names. But um, he was on the Angels for eight seasons. He did get uh, four of his seven career no-hitters as an Angel. I personally think about him as an Angel. I know he was, you know, on the Astros for nine years. But... Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because the fact that he got most of his no-hitters as an angel. Um, let me see here. He 138 wins, 121 losses, so not the biggest you know, win-loss percentage there. I mean, wasn't always on the best teams, but I mean, obviously he was a strikeout machine. Uh, just it's insane the amount of strikeouts that he's gotten over his career. Yeah, I mean, he averaged like 300 strikeouts a year with the Angels. So that was. That's insane. For like eight yeah, years, right? Too, right? At, at the time, didn't he have the most uh, strikeouts in a single season? Yeah, I think he did. Uh, what do you have? Like, I think, I think he might still have it, right? 383. Definitely wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, 383 in 1973. So, oh man, 
<laughs> There's some old school guys that have some. Oh, games, yeah. <laughs> You're selling 40 complete games a year. Yeah, throwing 580 innings. 1886, some guy had 500 strikeouts. <laughs> I mean, in 1973, Nolan Ryan had 41 starts and 26 complete games. Yeah. I, mean, I always think of him as, obviously, he played until he was 46, so he has great longevity. I, I said for the reason, but he has incredible stamina, too, to be able to, you know, in his Angels years, he threw a complete game in almost half his appearances. That's, yeah, that's ridiculous. Were there even 26 complete games in baseball last year? <laughs> Probably not. 5,386 career innings. <laughs> yeah, no. I think, you know, Dodger fans can predict who's coming up in a little bit. If It's hard. I mean, as far as, like, if we're going to go for, like, strikeout and dominance and most feared pitcher on the mound, as far as, like, he could kill you, because he was also, like, leading the league in wild pitches every year. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine, yeah. like, going up to bat against him? That'd be scarier than Randy Johnson. Like that, that guy was like fifteen to twenty betters a year. Yeah, man, Nolan Ryan was an animal. I mean, he was a different kind of beast. I mean, there's a lot of these numbers I never even you know looked at. Like I, I just brought up how many career innings he has. Can you guys imagine what your arm must feel like after five thousand three hundred eighty-six career innings? Seriously, just try to think about that. Oh yeah, that, that was a uh, that was another thing. It's, his arm still works really well. I was just reading an article the other day. Yeah, you can still throw. Yeah, he threw out a first pitch and threw it out as a 63-year-old at 85 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then I was reading an article about David Price about his ligament damage yeah. and about why he doesn't need Tommy John surgery. And uh, they are talking about how he has the same medical condition as Noel Ryan where your ligament in, this, in his uh, elbow actually hardens and it shortens the ligament. So that's why he's not losing velocity and he doesn't need a Tommy John surgery. So he, you know, we'll see. I mean, he's still got the shoulder problems, I think, right? But Yeah. Kind of interesting. That yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I haven't played organized baseball in a few years, but I still have elbow problems when I played baseball, and I wasn't even a pitcher. So it is, <laughs> is crazy that he has thrown so many baseballs so many times. And Absolutely. can still have throw 85, which is about 15 miles an hour harder than I threw when I was playing. <laughs> Let alone the yeah. fact that, uh, I mean, he always did it in dominating fashion. I mean, you know, he was always one of the most feared pitchers at that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't kill anyone, honestly. Yeah, right. Back when they had, like, those weak helmets. <laughs> yeah. The, the little, uh, little uh, fake helmets that you get a target these days. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I'm going to go with my choice, I guess, now. Um, uh-huh. I made a late change here. I don't know if anyone's looking at the spreadsheet. I had Kevin Brown because it was peak season in 1998. was probably the best pitching year for a Padre. But then I decided to go with uh, Jake TV, only because he's one of the... Ooh, fake out. Yeah, one of the one of the few side young winners for the Padres. He had the, the triple crown in 2007 where he won, led the league in wins, ERA, and strikeouts. Uh, didn't have quite the peak that Kevin Brown did, but he also played more seasons as a Padre and more people, you know, he's one of the most famous Padres in history. Had a five-year peak of a 295 ERA. He went 68 and 44. He averaged about 200 innings, about 200 strikeouts a year, and just beloved by the fan base. So he's going to be my choice. Did you pick him for the simple fact that, uh, you know, he was a 
he was a Padre a little longer? Yeah, I picked him because he was, I mean, I think most people just remember Jake Peavy as a Padre. And, you know, and, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of went with more with, like, growing up, you know, as a teenager when Jake Peavy was a Padre, I was following him really closely. And he had more good seasons as a Padre that weren't too far off from Kevin Brown, but they weren't quite up to his level. But Kevin Brown only played, played one year and uh, wasn't the nicest guy in the world from what I heard. Kevin Brown uh, is most notably, is it a Yankee? I don't know. He I really jumped around a lot. Yeah. He was a Yankee, right? I'm not crazy. Yeah, he was a Yankee. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was a Yankee. He was a Dodger. I don't know, Rangers. I think Dodgers. Yeah, Rangers, I think, was the longest. I think he was probably most famous as a Dodger just because of his contract. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, anything to add then about uh, Jake Peavy? No, I mean, he's not going to win, but he's got power. That's a good pick, though. I mean, you you threw me off. (laughs) Like you said, you wrote down Kevin Brown. But, I mean, no, Jake Peavy's a great pick. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ian? All right, um... I said, I mean, the Dodgers have, you know, like six or seven Hall of Fame starters. Uh, I decided to go with Sandy Koufax. They're going mostly off kind of peak years. And Sandy Koufax's, you know, four-year peak of three Cy Youngs in four years, including an MVP award, six straight All-Star years, six eight All-Stars at the end of his career. Um, he really is one of the biggest what-ifs, I think, in terms of how insane his career numbers could have been. Um, for the first half of his career, he his managers didn't really trust him. He didn't get he was a reliever for a bunch of the time. He didn't really get a ton of he didn't really get a ton of innings. Um, and it really wasn't a huge issue of him changing up his mechanics a ton. It was really just getting the chance to consistently start. And once he got that chance, he was you know developed into one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Um, and then obviously he had his arthritis that limited his career. He had to retire at the end of his age thirty season. So one of the biggest what ifs I think, but. You don't really need to. Oh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. I'll yeah, cut you off. I, I think even though he is a what if, he still has a two seventy six career career ERA, um, two six nine career FIP. I mean, his strikeout his strikeout per nine numbers are huge. He led the league in five seasons, six seasons actually. Um, I mean, he really just excelled. For his at the end of at the tail end of his career in the last five five years or so, um, and I mean he's a hero to. I mean my grandfather is Jewish. He's Sandy Koufax is one of his heroes. Um, he a hero to entire generation of baseball fans. Um, I, it's worth noting. I think when it's all said and done, Clayton Kershaw would be in this spot. You know, give him give him a few more years. Um, but when we're talking just strictly off peak, I don't think Sandy. I think you can put Sandy Koufax up against any pitcher in Major League history. Yeah, right. It's like him or Pedro for the best peak. Yeah. Um, from 1963 to 1966, uh, four seasons, he had a 186 ERA, 172 ERA plus, and a 197 FIP, which is freaking ridiculous, and a .9 WHIP. Also, especially for a starter, that's incredible. 97 and 27 record. In those peak four years, I mean, that I mean, yeah. he's the mythology no, too. I mean, not, nothing come close. I don't think. It was crazy. I was, I was actually looking at Co- uh, Kershaw's uh, four-year peak, 
Rietta from 2013 to 2016 that was actually really comparable. He had a 188 ERA, uh, 203 FIP. So you guys just have way too many good pitchers. I, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I did prepare players, an entire really? starting rotation if we had to do that, but uh, I think Koufax and Kershaw definitely rise to the top of that. And I decided to go with Kurt Koufax in the end. A little yeah. bit more mythology, a little bit more, you know. Yeah, no, yeah. Fuck. yeah, no no way, man. Koufax uh, is like fable like status. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his deciding to sit out game one of the World Series for Yom Kippur and then coming back and throwing a complete game shutout in game two, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, yeah, he had that 20 strikeout game, right, in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, insane. that's really where you differentiate the two is the postseason performance. <laughs> well, that's yeah. the greatest pitcher in World Series history, and <laughs> a little bit more mixed on Kershaw's end. Well, the fact that uh, you can wipe the slate clean on 2017 helps Kershaw a little bit in that department. Yeah, that <laughs> is. I will. You know, I can for honestly, I can. I'm tangent, obviously, but I can almost forgive the Astros for. Winning the World Series, but I don't. If Clayton Kershaw never gets a World Series, I don't think I'm more upset with them taking a World Series away from Clayton Kershaw than I'm taking away a World Series from the Dodgers. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can. We still don't know if the 2018 Red Sox, you know, how they cheated because they still haven't really, you know, come out with you know the punishment or things like that or what they discovered. Who knows if we'll ever get that now? To be honest. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, the Dodgers had two World Series gold? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, also, could you imagine if the Dodgers would have had two World Series right now? I mean, just about fits in with most of the history of the Dodgers. <laughs> Very close and never quite again that done. But yeah. yeah, I wonder if they would have started to dissemble the team by now. I mean, you know, a lot of teams after they win one championship, especially two, they're kind of like, all right, well, <laughs> time to go well, slide back into mediocrity. Having $300 million a year doesn't hurt. Yeah. Probably, I may be able to keep going no matter what. But this isn't the Kansas City Royals or you know the San Francisco Giants who will have a winning formula and they kind of have to tear it apart. So yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, so uh, this is going to be one of the harder votes in my opinion. But uh, let's start it with Andrew. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Koufax just because that four year peak. It's, I and uh, Koufax is always one like one of my favorite historical players. And I think, I honestly, if, if you would have picked Kershaw, I would have picked Kershaw, too. Yeah. Yeah, as much as it pains me to say, because he's a Dodger, I, I think you got to give it to Sandy Koufax. I mean, we've also already said that, I, I agree with you, Andrew, that if you would have picked Kershaw, I probably would have had to give him two, two, because they're basically the same pitcher. Yeah, I mean, Pete, they're the same pitcher. I mean, again, I, I think I'm optimistic that Kershaw, once his career is over, I think he already has a career higher career war total. Um, but I, I think he will be the go down as the greatest Dodger of all time by the time his career is over. Uh, but as it stands right now, I'll, I'll happily take Sandy Koufax. Cool. I think Kershaw has like the lowest uh, modern ERA, right? Yeah, I think he does. Please, uh. Like, uh, I'm sure we can look it up very easily with the power of the internet. But I think I think What's it is that? the lowest of all time. Yeah, yeah, it is actually two four four. So, yeah, just another thing. I mean, unless you count Mariano Rivera, who just made the thousand inning threshold. All right. So let's go ahead and get to our very, very last position. 
which is we we listed it as relief pitcher, but it's basically just turning into closing pitcher. Um, I'm sure a lot of people or a lot of fans of this of their respective team here kind of already know who we're going to pick. It's pretty obvious for two out of the three, and I'm pretty sure Angels fans will know who I'm going to pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Troy Percival. Now, Troy Percival was uh, another member of the 2002 World Series Angels team, so there is a little bit of a trend there. But um, he definitely has a reason to be on here. He was very dominant, um, especially in uh, the early 2000s. So um, let me pull it up here. So his dominance actually started, uh, now that I'm looking at it, in 1996, he had 36 saves. In 1998, he had 42 saves. And then the only other time he cracked 40 was in 2002, when he got 40 even. So he was always uh, you know, amongst the league leaders. I mean, the least amount of saves he had in a full season was uh, 27. So, you know, and don't get, you know, he also had, when he first got called up, uh, in 1995, he only got three saves, but he was just a, re- a normal relief pitcher at that point. In 2005, when he was on the Detroit Tigers, uh, he only had eight saves. But then again, he only had um, uh, 26 games pitched. So he just uh, wasn't used in very high leverage situations at that moment. But yeah, I mean, Troy Percival was uh, very dominant during that 2002 playoff run and uh, would come in very, very handy during the the uh, that World Series against the San Francisco Giants. So uh, ultimately, he's going to be my pick. Uh, though he did end up having a career save total of 358 saves, um, I, I don't think that he's going to uh, take this one. He did have a respectable 3.17 ERA over his career. Uh, he did have a lose. Uh, he did have more losses than wins, though. He had 43 total losses. So, you know, not exactly uh, what you want to see out of your closing pitcher, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yes. All right. That's, uh, that's really all I have about uh, Troy Percival. How about uh, you, Andrew? So I'm going to go with uh, Trevor Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, he's second all-time in saves. He had, uh, you know, just, you know, really steady player his entire career. A lot of people think of him as just more of a stat accumulator, but he also had a really good, like, four-year peak where he had a 2.15 ERA from 1996 to 1999 and a 186, you know, ERA plus. And then if you extend this peak to about 11 years, he had, uh, you know, a 248 ERA from 1996 to 2006. He averaged uh, 39 saves a year. Just a really consistent, you know, highly above average pitcher, Hall of Famer, one of the Padres' only Hall of Famers. And uh, yeah, so Trevor Hoffman might pick the relief pitcher. Yeah, I'll be arguing with that. I mean, I think Trevor Hoffman's changeup is like one of the iconic pitches of baseball, right? Like, Koufax's curve, Nolan Ryan's fastball. Like I think Trevor Hoffman's changeup is right up there with that. Oh yeah, the cutter with Mariano Rivera. Yeah, yeah, Mariano Rivera's only pitch. <laughs> yeah, Tim Wakefield's knuckleball. Yeah, yeah. So all I mean, right. yeah. So let's go on. Uh, I think that's all I had to say about Trevor Hoffman. Great pitcher. Absolutely. Yeah, I had a tough decision for mine actually. 
Uh, I was really torn between Kenley Jansen and Eric Gagne. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Eric Gagne kind of has this... He has a great peak, right? And his <laughs> Cy Young Award winning 2003 season is really incredible. Um, but really, Kenley Jansen stacks right up with him. Um, I'm actually... You know, I had, I had Eric Gagne listed, but... I'm going to make a last-second audible here. I'm going to pick Kenley Jansen, actually. Really? Okay. Yeah. I I would have just thought that over the last, you know, two years, maybe Kenley Jansen would have lost uh, lost your vote there. Because, I mean, he struggled. As far as Kenley Jansen goes, he struggled over the last couple of years, right? Yeah, he hasn't been great. Down. He's certainly been a serviceable closer. Oh, I mean. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he. I would not hesitate to say that he's still one of the more uh, dominant closers currently. Yeah, and and Eric Gagne really, outside of his three great seasons with the Dodgers, I mean, they were great seasons. He won the Cy Young Award as a reliever in one of them, which is that's something that probably I wouldn't be surprised if never happened again, honestly. Yeah, probably. Um, but it's really outside of those three seasons, he wasn't great. His first couple seasons as a Dodger were not good. In 2000, he had a 5.15 ERA, 6 2001, he had a Four seven five year away four six five, um, and he had those three great peak seasons. He was an all star, but outside of that, he didn't do much with his career for the most part. Um, and you know, you obviously, I think the tiebreaker really was you know the being named to the Mitchell Report. He has those steroid allegations, and I think I'm not. I mean, I don't think I think that's a fine tiebreaker when you're trying to decide between two players is steroids versus no steroids. Uh, I mean, you look at Kelly Jansen. I mean, really, you have an argument for being the best closer in baseball from, like, 2013 to 2017 in an era with Craig Kimbrell and Aroldis Chapman. Oh, yeah, I definitely. Think, yeah, I mean, his 2016 season is maybe one of the best by a modern closer in recent memory. Um, he had a 1.83 ERA, and, but a 1.445 and a .67 whiff, which is, like, yeah. mind-boggling. How do you choose uh, between that and the, the 2017? Yeah, I mean, in 17, <laughs> he finished fifth in Cy Young voting, uh, 41 saves, league leading 41 saves, um, 14 slugouts per nine, and just .9 walks per nine. I remember there was a stretch in that season where he didn't walk somebody for like three months or something, I think. Yeah, it's a lot. That's, that's about right. <laughs> yeah. It, like, when he came into the game, it was game over. If he could not give up a home run to Marlon Gonzalez in Game 2 of the World Series, that's probably one of the greatest closer histories, closer seasons in history. Yeah, I mean, I would say so too. And then I think uh, we know the story about 2017 now. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you said, uh, you know, when Kelly Jensen would come in, it'd be game over. But Eric Gagne was the one who had the game over entrance. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have kind of the, ironic. He had, he had the saves uh, record too, right? For like straight saves. Yeah, consecutive uh, saves. Yeah, eighty something, I think. Offhand, hey, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Let's see who can pull it up first. Yeah, eighty-four. Eighty-four. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's insane. So I mean, Dodgers. I don't think you can go wrong with either of them, but I decided to go. Jansen had a bit of a longer peak. I think from 2012 to 2017 is, you know, pretty comfortable six-year peak. Well, Gagne only had those three really great seasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Jensen definitely had that great peak. And I, he's probably, 
he'll probably make some adjustments and figure it out, you know? Yeah, like I, can, set. I would yeah. hope so, yeah. I think That's he went to driveline this offseason. He's Mark Pryor as his new pitching coach, so. Yeah, so hopefully he doesn't blow out his arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Pryor is going to get injured just by talking about pitching, unfortunately. Yeah, he blew out his ACL just walking up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the Padres gave him a shot near the end of his career, right? He gave him like a shot for like a couple of years, and uh, I don't think he ever made it out of the doctor's office. So yeah, <laughs> probably. What was the? There was a guy, another guy. I mean, the Potter is just like taking these little like these projects and hoping they pan out. Uh, there was a guy. His last name was Johnson. Uh, pitched for the Marlins. Padres. It was it Jim Johnson? Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson. Yeah, the Padres gave him like four contracts in a row, just hoping that he'd make a start. Yeah, I think he I think he might have made a start, a couple starts. I think he did, yeah, a couple spot starts here and there. They did the same thing with Corey Lubke. They kept him around probably way longer than they should have. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a, you know, no, you know what, I don't even think Josh Johnson even made a start with the Padres. I think he, okay, uh, right. I think I'm thinking of Brandon Morrow, who made like two starts with the Padres. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, do you have anything else to add about Kelly Jensen, Ian? I don't think so, no. Okay, yeah, I mean, good pick. Uh, regardless, I'm just going to go ahead and give it to uh, Trevor Hoffman here. I mean, I, I think it's kind of hard to argue for the simple fact of Trevor Hoffman, second-best closer in baseball history. Personally, I still want to call him the best, but uh, maybe there's yeah, a little maybe, bit of bias there. Yeah, there's, no, there's I, don't, I don't know about that. I don't think so. <laughs> I'll give that one to Mariano Rivera. But... Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, my whole thing with Mariano Rivera was just the fact that he was a Yankee. You know, yeah, he true. was always he always had an opportunity. I mean, Trevor Hoffman didn't, and Trevor Hoffman would just always be effective whenever he got a chance to come in. I mean, very rarely did he ever blow a save until maybe near the end of his career, his Padres career at least. I remember him blowing quite a few saves. Yeah, I think like, so if you're if you're just going like do, do, dominance, you know. Like Mariano Rivera is very, very clearly like a step above Trevor Hoffman. Yeah. Trevor, you know Trevor Hoffman, which is really good for a really long time. Um, but I remember like if you're if you're looking at like like save percentage, they're like neck and neck. They're like point zero five percent away from each other or something ridiculous. So as far as like getting the job done that they're hired to do, they're very similar. But as far as like dominating the opposing team and like. Like really, like limiting those opportunities to get the win. Mariano Rivera was like just something else, you know, for so yeah, long. Yeah, I mean, and he's obviously I, he's one of the greatest playoff players of all time, I think. But it's you can't really say what Trevor Hoffman be able to do if he got to play in the playoffs every single year of his career, basically. Yeah, and if he had like a, a team like the Yankees, who yeah. was always having the best analytics teams, you know, behind them, positioning players correctly, having the best coaching staff. But I don't know. I mean, just yeah. Mariano Rivera is so good. And, I mean, Trevor Hoffman did what he had to do to learn how to pitch after he lost his fastball velocity. Did uh, did Trevor Hoffman uh, pitch much in 98 uh, as far as the World Series? I didn't get Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had, a, like, a 1-5 ERA that year in 53 saves. Oh, did he pitch in the World Series? Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Did he pitch much in the World Series? I think they brought him in a couple times. Uh, he had one appearance in the World Series, um, okay. two innings, and gave up two runs. Yeah, he loved that two-run home run. I think it was like the Scott Rochus or something. Mm. Huh. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if we're talking 
playoff experience, no doubt it's going to be Mariana Rivera, but uh, I don't even know why we're on this tangent, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I started it, really. Okay, so uh, how about everyone else's vote? Uh, I don't know if you can argue with Trevor Hoffman, but I don't I think, think you go wrong with either. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, if we're talking, like, dominant peak, Jensen's, like, really good peak. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean if we're talking dominant peak, I feel like uh, these three guys would be a very good back of the uh, rotation. Yeah, right? If you had those three <laughs> in your rotation at their peak, you probably yeah, would yeah, right? pretty far in the playoffs, you know? You can have Percival in the seventh. You can probably have Jensen in the eighth, and then uh, Hoffman with that changeup in the ninth. Yeah, can you imagine going from Jensen's cutter to Hoffman's uh, changeup? Yeah. Back yeah. Back? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you throw all this Chapman in there somehow? Yeah, right. Really. All right. So, um, uh, just to go ahead and recap as far as uh, what our teams ended up being. So, uh, for catcher, Roy Campanella won. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. For, yeah, for catcher, Roy Campanella won. First base, Gil Hodges. Second base, Jackie Robinson. Third base, uh, Ron Say. Shortstop, Pee Wee Reese. Left field, we had Garrett Anderson. Center field, we had Mike Trout. Right field, we had Tony Gwynn. Uh, starting pitcher, we had Sandy Koufax. And at reliever, we had Trevor Hoffman. So that is essentially what the down and away ultimate team is. Um, perhaps, like I said, if uh, the fans want, our listeners want, we can uh, maybe try to put in a simulation and see how many games they can win. So let's not dive too deep into it because I know it's late for everyone. But um, realistically, how many games could you see these guys winning if they had a full season? You know, if they're just playing generic 2020 teams. And assuming um, all these guys are in their prime. I mean, this is an ultimate team situation. Assuming they're all in their prime. I say we're looking at like 130 to 135 wins. Yeah, especially if we fill out that rotation with uh, like Kershaw and players like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Kershaw. I mean, the Angels only represented would probably be like Nolan Ryan. The Kershaw, party, Nolan Ryan. Jake Peavy. Jake PV, Kevin Brown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, Don Drysdale. Yeah, Don Drysdale, Don Sutton, Don Newcomb. Yeah, way too many good. <laughs> Ryan Lawrence. <laughs> right, yeah. Ryan Lawrence is 380 with the Padres. Yeah, right. Woody Williams, maybe? <laughs> if you want a pitch hitter as a pitcher. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, the, uh, it... Michael Lorenzen treatment, really. I think, uh, yeah, and I think if we do a simulation, we'll swap in some of the steroid guys, too. <laughs> like, just, 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 like, I'd be curious to see what, you know, Pete Gary Sheffield does in left field, you know, if we're talking, like, peak players. It'd be interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe that's something we can do uh, next time. I feel like that'd be kind of fun, just kind of see how they do. Yeah, me too. Yeah, this, is a, this is a great episode as far as, like, yeah. you know, going through the players and stuff. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. I had a good time. Yeah. Uh, anybody have any uh, closing thoughts before we wrap up here? I don't think so. I mean, asking the question, how many games would they win? It's kind of a funny one. Um, I don't know if you guys remember. There was on the there's this clip of Mike Francesca where a guy calls in and asks if any team could ever win 162 games. And I think it's an interesting thought experiment. I think the answer is not even close, but. 
it's uh, interesting to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's such a, you know, baseball is such a marathon that, I mean, it's probably crazy just to imagine any team even winning 130 games, like you said. Yeah. You know, is, is it possible? I mean, I'm sure if you grab, you know, the best players of all time and you throw them together, I'm sure you can, you know, on paper. But, you know, obviously, you know, injuries happen and things like that. But Oh, yeah. I mean, you get the flu that just hits the whole team, you know. I don't know if this is a time to be talking about a flu. Hey, I'm not. Ta- I'm not talking about COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not. I know you're not. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh man, yeah. I think this is a good wrap it up point. We're at like two hours. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the Down Away Podcast. Remember to follow us on all those social media platforms. And until next time. Uh, <laughs> Good night. Oh, I thought you started it. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> we need to figure out an intro. Oh, I forgot to record, guys. <laughs>